You're listening to the NBS Podcast with me, Bradley Goldman, sports nutrition specialist and creator of the nutrition program NBS that swept through the Peloton community. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome and buckle up for our no bullshit approach to all things fitness, nutrition, and much more. If you're returning for this week's episode, welcome back. Clear the room of any little ears, turn the volume up, and let's get to this week's episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the NBS Podcast. We have one of my favorite colleagues back on. We haven't spoken to her since episode two, I think, of the NBS Podcast last year. Uh, we have Esther Avant, uh, founder and owner of EA Coaching. Esther, will you say hello, please? Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been so fun listening to the episodes. I, I walk around town and I listen. And when I get shout outs on other people's episodes, I'm like, that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys don't know, if you guys haven't listened to episode two, um, Esther and I, uh, we kind of, uh, Esther kind of welcomed me into the, in the online space uh, between her, Mike and Jason Falcon. Um, they all kind of took me under their wing when I first started MBS. And now I get to talk to these people as colleagues and friends. So it's pretty cool. And Esther, you guys can't see Esther, but Esther's got a grin from ear to ear because she's got the biggest imposter syndrome situation going on all the time when she doesn't realize how incredible she is. So um, Esther, fill me in. What's going on? Where in the world are you right now? I think you're back in Germany. Where have you just been? So we... As of when we're recording this, which is a couple of months before it comes out, we just went to Hamburg for Halloween because we don't live around any other Americans. So Halloween wasn't a thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then between now and when this episode co- comes out, we will have spent a couple of weeks in Bavaria for Christmas and then hopefully made a trip to London. I have a cousin who is um, a, mu- a musician and doing a UK tour. So we're going to go there in January. So I'm really excited about those two trips. That is very exciting. That's very exciting. How was, uh, how was Halloween in Germany? Uh, well, it's like nothing, <clears throat> like nothing really. Um, I made this very delicious, um, peanut butter, like cream cheese ball thing. Yeah. yeah, It was so good. Um, but they didn't have Reese's pieces. So I had to separate a bag of M&Ms into just the Halloween <laughs> colors and just the other colors. So that's how like, not a thing, um, it was here. So we went to um, some of the other Americans that we know in Hamburg and did a, a party for all the kids, which was great because my son had woken up every morning in October and said, it's Halloween time. So <laughs> it would have been a big letdown if there had been no uh, Halloween time. Oh, <laughs> All right. Um, actually, really quick, just so I don't sound ignorant, Hamburg is in Germany? Yeah, it's okay. um, the second largest city, which I only know from looking it up. Uh, it's about... it's one of the nearest big cities to us. It's about an hour and a half, two hours uh, south of us. Very cool. Very cool. So what, if you guys listen to episode two, Esther and I kind of started dipping our toe into the conversation about postpartum and weight loss and how that works. And I know this is definitely um, a murky area for me to tread considering I'm a man talking about uh, bringing up pregnancy and postpartum issues and weight loss. But um Considering that my wife and I, uh, we did IVF and uh, it was not easy. Um, We, my wife was pregnant during the pandemic. Um, I was definitely very present during the whole time. Um, So I saw everything she went through and everything she went through after um, because I started working from home. Um, And I think this is, this is an incredible topic to talk about because I think a lot of people have a very, um, I want to say 
uh, fucked up view of i was going to try to say i was going to try to be politically correct a really fucked up and unrealistic expectation of themselves postpartum and esther and i kind of started talking about it so this episode we're really going to focus on that so hopefully with that disclaimer in mind um you guys give me a little grace i'm going to do my best to uh, to walk this fine line and we're going to go into it so uh let's start with the things that nobody likes to talk about because we, we get asked, you know, after baby's born, I remember the first thing, are you completely in love? Are you fucking kidding me? What do you, what? I, I just met this screaming, crying, shitting, eating human. I mean, no. Oh, and let's then get into the fun stuff. Let's talk about all of, let's talk about the leakage postpartum and how that can happen literally at any time, but specifically for the moms that are like, I need to get back to working out. Let's talk about that. Esther. Let's go there. Yeah, no, I think this is such a good topic because I almost feel like it's kind of like a a conspiracy where no one who has had kids wants to tell you what it's really like because then you're not going to want to have your own kids. A hundred percent. And and of course, like now being on the other side of it, I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm not going to tell my newly pregnant friends like, here's what's coming down the pike for you. But then it then it does happen to you. And especially if you're not somebody with like older sisters who are going to be really right. candid with you. You're just like constantly like, is this normal? Is this is this, this happening to everybody? Um, and I think we have such a focus on like getting my body back and mm-hmm. losing the weight. And it's just, like you said, it's just so fucked up that that your first thoughts after this baby making its exit, whether that's C-section or um, vaginal, that you, that your first thought isn't like, holy shit, well, that was like a major <laughs> endurance event. And I've been through a, a, my body's been through a traumatic thing. And now, oh, by the way, there's this helpless human being that needs me, that your first thought is like, okay, how do I get the weight off? Mm-hmm. So I think just being able to have this open conversation, like, listen, that does not need to be priority number one. And I think it actually ends up hindering you. If that's what you're focused on, you're you're going to end up making the process harder than it needs to be because of all times, this is when you should not be forcing a diet or exercise. It's really when you need to lean into, for lack of, I, I think it's so cliche, but for lack of a better term, listening to your body and mm-hmm. being patient and, and doing it right and taking your time and trusting that it's going to happen. I am going to get back to a body that I recognize it's not going to be the same as it was before and it doesn't need to be, but that the time is going to pass and you are going to look back and be like, okay, this is a body that I'm comfortable in, but it doesn't need to be within days of. No, I mean, there's a couple of things you said. And again, like I'm going to do my best to let you talk most of the time here, but you know, I said, let's talk about the things no one talks about, you know, the leakage. And the only reason I wanted to go there is because, you know, that is a thought that I hear very often is, you know, like I want, you know, you, first of all, Let's talk about the fact that, yeah, you just, you just, whether it was C-section or vaginally, you just brought human life into this world. Not only is that an endurance event, but that's something that you uniquely do as a woman. I, as a man, I'm not capable of doing that, nor do I want to. Um, and that is, that is such an incredible thing to do physically, emotionally, spiritually. Not only like, what did you do during giving birth, but you carried this child for roughly nine months. Like, You've been putting your body through more stress. You've been putting it under more progressive overload, if we want to go that way, okay, for the last nine months. And then you finally, if we're going to lean into this again and be cheesy, you PR'd and you had a baby. 
That was your personal best. You were like, I'm done having the scene. Get out of me. And then you push it out. And then your first thought is, oh, I want to get back to working out. You literally, I, I think my wife had vaginal leakage for a few weeks, I think. I mean, you, I mean, the people make jokes about, you know, after you have a baby and you sneeze, like you might pee a little bit. Like you want to get back to squatting and jumping and running and being on the, on your Peloton. Let's take a deep breath. And yes, as cliche as it is, lean into listening to your body, listen to your baby. Like you're going to get back there, but the, the, the leaning in and the, the taking a minute, like your body and you, I think we talked about this last time you said, you're going to get back to your, your pre-baby body if you work for it. But at the same time, your body's never the same. And again, if I'm stepping out of my lane, tell me, but I think you and I've had multiple conversations where you go, no, don't shoot for your pre-baby body. Your pre-baby body did not bring life into this world. Your body now brought life into this world. And that, in my opinion, personally, that's a lot more impressive than your pre-baby body. That's just me. And I think, I think we can agree on that, but get working towards a body that you are comfortable and proud of and happy with in your own skin, eventually, I think is where this conversation is going to go today. Exactly. Yes. And I do want to go back to, to the leakage because I know it's something that is, it's really important. And I think. And nobody talks about it. Literally nobody, talks, nobody about talks about it. Exactly. So let's just say for the record that this is very, very common, but it is not normal. And if it is happening to you, even if your kids are teenagers or out of the house, and this has been happening ever since, you can get help. Pelvic floor physical therapy is a thing. And I wish they would sponsor me or something because I feel like I'm, I'm pimping them left and right. But Esther, Esther pushes this no, all the time. I love that she talks about the pelvic floor because it's so important for men and women. But let's focus on po- postpartum right now. Yeah. So admittedly, I don't even really know if, if I... If it wasn't even on my radar. I don't even know if I knew the pelvic floor was really a thing. And if not for when I was pregnant, just for kind of my own education, I got certified in pre and postnatal training um, and learned all about pelvic floor muscles and exercises and physical therapy as like a specialty and started seeing a, a pelvic floor PT early in my pregnancy, kind of throughout it. And then shortly after, and just not enough women know that they exist. So when we talk about pelvic floor, we're referring to like all of the muscles you can't see, you can't see. Um, but they kind of make like a girdle that supports like your, your bowels and your bladder and your uterus. And um, as you can imagine, they're under some stress when you got a baby in there. And when you ev- evict that baby, you may still like likely just like your just like your abs have still you know have have separated to accommodate that baby you probably have pelvic floor weakness which contributes to leaking when you do any sort of jumping or high pressure thing um okay. and you can re-strengthen those muscles there are a lot of postpartum pelvic floor like programs out there I don't know anything about them specifically. I'm always going to promote, go to a professional who's going to look at you as an individual, be able to diagnose you. Maybe they'll say, yep, a kind of generic program would be fine. What I learned from mine is that some women's muscles are overactive, some are underactive. And if you are doing exercises that have the opposite effect of what you need, you're doing more harm than good. So mm. um, if, this is a, if this is a thing that is happening to you, you do not need to wear panty liners for the rest of your life. You don't need to just accept like, well, I got to change my underwear after I go for a run. 
but you do need to kind of check your ego and take some steps back. And I think if you are very newly postpartum and you're listening to this at like the perfect time in your life to kind of start at square one, great. But if you are well down the road, it's never too late to kind of go back to basics and focus on connective breathing where you're really learning how to engage your deep core muscles to do your pelvic floor exercises and to address those underlying issues first and then rebuild from there, get back into lifting properly and bracing properly and then adding external weight. And even though it's not fun, it's not glamorous, it's worth it when that thing is no longer limiting you. Definitely. Um, and you know, and this is where I, I, I'm not the expert, um, one, cause I'm not a woman. Um, but when in terms of pelvic floor exercises, I, I can go through some basic ones that I know, um, from my experience being a personal trainer, you know, pre pandemic. Um, but when it comes to more, a more intensive, I guess, pelvic floor regimen, is that something that women can start, uh, during, uh, during their pregnancy to, to ensure, to hopefully strengthen the muscles or keep them strong, even after childbirth, is that something that they can easily do without overexerting themselves? Yes. And again, I would defer to a pelvic floor PT because again, what mine explained to me is that most women's um, pelvic floor muscles are underactive, in which mm-hmm. case doing um, kegels, which I learned is kegel that rhymes with bagel. So now everyone <laughs> knows um, <laughs> doing kegels where basically you're just like, kind of trying to prevent yourself from peeing or I've also heard it describes like you're trying to like suck a blueberry up there. Um, so, you know, use whatever visual. Visual. <laughs> yeah, use whichever <laughs> one resonates with you. Um, but, but for the most part, working on strengthening is going to strengthening and endurance is going to benefit a lot of women, but that there are some who have the opposite where they're just like constantly very tense down there and don't even realize it. Um, and then working on relaxing those muscles. Um, but one of the things that I did with mine was um, like holds. And she was saying like, these are some of the best things, exercises you can do because you can do them anywhere. If you're sitting in your car at a traffic light, if you're laying in bed, um, there's even apps that, uh, that you can use, but essentially you would kind of do that contraction and then try to hold it for 10 seconds and then release and then do basically do, do sets and reps. Um, mm. So that's something you can easily do and you're not going to you know, overexert yourself or anything. And then if we're talking about, you know, this, this is the, the, you know, PT side of my brain that doesn't really get turned on much anymore. No pun intended there, I guess that was weird. Um, weird. But when we're talking about, if we're talking about like the basic movements that we typically do when we're lifting. And I know Esther, you're a big proponent of stick to your, you know, squat, deadlifts, uh, carry lunge, uh, press and pull. And if we're talking about, let's talk about squats and deadlifts and we're talking about bracing and the importance of pelvic floor health or strength within bracing movements any of those movements, or even sitting on the Peloton, sitting on the Peloton, Peloton, if you're doing it properly, you should be bracing the entire time. And if you're basing properly, like I'm thinking when I deadlift, I'm like, oh, like, do I feel my pelvic floor when I'm going through these motions? And if I really think about it, that is part of the brace that it's going to happen when I'm, when I'm getting ready for a set is I'm going to brace my core and naturally my glutes and then my pelvic floor are probably all going to all engage. So if that pelvic floor is weak, especially postpartum and you try to get back into a routine right away, you got to dial it way back. And we're talking about breathing and the importance of your core and strengthening and like your core, this drives me crazy, but, and I think we can agree, or maybe we disagree. We'll find out right now, but your core's main function is to brace and breathe. That's the main function of your core. 
And so all the sit-ups and shit, don't get me started on that crap. But if you're, if, if you're, if bracing is one of the most important initial factors prior to you lifting or riding a bike and your pelvic floor is weak, that means your output for that exercise is going to be weak. So start, start with the basics. Like you said, it's not, it's not glamorous. It's not fun. It's not, it's literally like, can I just make sure that my pelvic floor is strong enough to help my entire body brace itself prior to the exercise I'm going to do is what I hear you say. Absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously you have a personal training background. You've been lifting for a really long time. The fact that you can even kind of mentally go through and be like, okay, yeah, I guess I am kind of bracing in that area, even if I'm not thinking about it. I, I would imagine most of the people listening are like, what? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I barely know if I'm doing the exercise right in the, if my body is right. in like the right position, let alone like what individual muscles we're doing. So absolutely, that's just another testament to like really breaking it down. And especially in, you know, those first few months postpartum, the, you know, kind of the, the fourth trimester to really focusing on, you know, body positioning and mm-hmm. the, the breathing, the bracing and, kind of just putting yourself in those positions. Okay. If I'm going to try a body weight squat, let me go through kind of head to toes. What, what should be relaxing? What should be contracting? How does my whole body feel going into this with no weight? And then as you ease back into adding the external weight, keep going through that checklist and kind of looking at all the components. And if you find the, the weak link, then go back and address that. Definitely. And we're talking about the body relaxing, you know, and I, the, the hormone relaxant that, you know, you got that women have, I don't know if it's an influx or if it's just more pronounced during pregnancy, obviously, because you have your ligaments have to loosen up, your hips have to widen all those things. Do you know off the top of your head postpartum, how present that is within the body after, or does that, is that one of those things that kind of dissipates once baby is born? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to assume based off of other hormones that it doesn't just dissipate really quickly. But if we're going back to the person who's like, I had baby. I want to lose the weight. Okay. Let's again, let's dial it back. There are hormones that you cannot physically see that are affecting your body. Things like a squat, literally getting up and out of a chair. Let's oversimplify it. Your body is going to move differently. Your hips are now widened. Your hips have shifted. Things have moved so that you can effectively have a baby. So focusing on Going back to what we should focus on postpartum, don't get me wrong. I think it's great. You know, the big push for moms to continue exercising, you know, during pregnancy to get back to to regular movement. I think that's all fantastic, but take a minute, especially in the fourth trimester to be like, hold on, acknowledge that so much has changed in your body over the last nine months. And you just had the biggest exertion of change within the timeframe of your baby being born. So that's, that's really, you're right. You know, talking about the pelvic floor, most people don't even realize that this is something that that gets turned on during a lot of the things that we're talking about. So um, I'm going to shift away from pelvic floor health for a second. I want to talk about the mom pouch because a lot of people I feel get really uh, self-conscious, even, you know, Brit's when she listens to this, Brit's going to probably <laughs> hate me for bringing this up. But the other day, Brit turned to the side. She's like, and Brit's working with, um, you know, one of our registered dietitians, the MBS. And she turned to the side. She's like, you know, I've got this, I've got this thing right here. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, I don't know. It doesn't feel like fat because it like, it pops out, but comes back in, but it feels weird. And it's, it's the mom pouch. And I'll let you go. I'll let you go into that because I think that's something we should address because it's, it's really not as, as bad as the person experiencing it. In my opinion, it's not as awful or detrimental. 
Oh, for sure. I think, you know, one of the big things is, and I know, so those of you listening, I know this is much easier said than done, but making a daily practice of accepting your body mm-hmm. in its state right now. And that's not the same as saying it's never going to look any different and I can't make any effort to do so. Right. But recognizing that those two things can exist at the same time. I, I can accept my current form and mm-hmm. I can be working to change it from a place of, of compassion and you know love for it. Um, but I think the mom pooch and mom pouch kind of becomes this like blanket term where yes. for some women it's that you had some, you know, some degree of diastasis recti and you mm-hmm. haven't worked on closing that gap. So that's kind of causing a, a bump but for some before, women. Sorry, a, before you go, because I know some people are not going to know, they're not going to be as familiar. Can you, can you uh, elaborate on what diastasis recti is, please? Yeah. So basically you've got your, like your six pack muscles and there's a line down the middle when you put a big baby in there and it grows, you got to make room for it, which is why your belly sticks out. So those, those ab muscles end up and a lot of most women separating to a certain extent. This is something that pelvic floor PT can help with during and after, um, where if you're currently pregnant and you're doing any exercise where you see a little bit of like a, a cone or a dome, like running, what is this? I was in horizontal and vertical mix up, running vertically, vertically. Down, <laughs> down, <laughs> down the middle of your belly. That's a sign of too much pressure, intra-abdominal pressure, and potentially exacerbating that separation. Um, so if you notice that, if you look down and see it, stop. Um, that is, there's no exercise that you need to be doing. So if you see it, just don't do it. Um, and then potentially if you don't work on, again, learning how to engage your deep core muscles, you may continue to have that separation. Um, so to resume normal abdominal function and to reduce what might be kind of that that pooch, um, it could be that could be the issue. It could be literally your muscles are further apart than they used to be. Um, for some women, it's a C-section scar mm-hmm. and a little flap of skin over it. For some women, it's just extra body fat that's still hanging around postpartum. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of different potential causes that can kind of get, all get lumped together where it's just kind of a generic, well, I'm a mom now and I have a belly because we all just do. And, you know, my body's going to shit now. And like, that's not it. Um, so again, I think kind of reminding yourself as hard as it may be, then creating a human is an amazing thing. And my body right now is perfect. And, or if you don't believe that, I know some of you are probably rolling your eyes. My body is fine. Yeah, if you feel really mm-hmm. negatively about it, just get yourself to neutral. Just stop saying shitty things and work on my, that's my belly. That's not my fat belly. It's not my whatever. It's just my belly. Um, but just know that there's no like fate that you're stuck with where you're going to have, you know, you have to have this forever. If you decide it's important enough to you that you're committed to doing the work necessary, you can, you know, for the most part, get rid of it, whether that means doing the PT, whether it means being in a caloric deficit, whether it, you know, potentially means doing um, scar massage, things like that. Right. There's always something you can do. And that includes getting mentally kind of okay with what it looks like. Yeah. And, and let's, you know, you segue nicely into, you said your or, or caloric deficit, because this is where, and I don't want to get into conversation about, you know, benefits of breastfeeding, whether it's, you know, breastfeeding versus formula versus that, that's what I'm not, uh, let's not talk about that. But for those that do breastfeed, 
the benefits for you personally when it comes to getting your quote unquote pre mom body back, which I got to get away from that. Like I, it, it bothered now that I have a child, I have a daughter. I'm like, that bothers me so fucking much. I don't, I don't know why, but it's getting back to a, 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 a degree of fitness that you are, you are happy with and that you're confident with. Let's talk about what happens when you start breastfeeding. to when you start weaning off, did you breastfeed by the way? I did. Yeah. For almost did, okay. a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay. Brit, yeah. Brit went to a, literally a year to the day. Um, let's talk about what happens with your body and your weight when you're breastfeeding, when you're starting to breastfeed and then versus when you start to wean and how the kind of the, the arc of you breastfeeding, how much you're breastfeeding versus how much weight is gained and lost. And let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So I think it's a great topic because there's, I think a pretty prevalent belief that nursing will help the the weight just kind of melt off you. And some people certainly do have that experience, but it's, it's just not like the dogma that it's kind of been made out to be. And I think that can be damaging because when you have a woman who's nursing and isn't losing the weight as fast as she would like, she starts to wonder like, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? Nothing. (laughs) Your body's (laughs) doing exactly what it needs to. And actually in when we were kind of talking before the the call about the topics we wanted to get into, I was doing a little bit of research on like how much of an effect does nursing have on weight loss. And it was a lot less significant than I would have expected. There was one study that found after a year, the moms who were exclusively breastfeeding had lost an extra, I think it was like 3.2 pounds as opposed to the women who were, you know, doing a combination or, or their babies right. formula fed. Um, so, I mean, basically negligible. Um, and, and again, even in these studies and they, you know, they have, they found varying um, degrees of differences, but it's just, it's correlation. It's not a causation. It's not saying that nursing is the only variable at play here. Right. Um, and I think what often gets overlooked is well, two things. Um, one being just the the mom's kind of natural tendency to move throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So yes, nursing is very metabolically or energetically expensive, um, but you're also going to have major differences in just how how much moving you're doing outside of that. If you're someone who is walking a lot or has other kids that you're needing to tend to and you're moving around with them, um, or if you're moving less. Um, and then the other thing is that you're likely very hungry all the time and your different women are going to have different kind of strategies for, for dealing with that. Some women are just going to eat whenever they're hungry. Some women are just feeling very overwhelmed and maybe like, I'll just eat whatever is convenient or whatever the meal train has brought for this day. And I'm not really focusing on the calories or the nutrients. I just need to eat something. Other women are, you know, maybe have different support at home Mm -hmm. are more, you know, better, better versed in putting together balanced meals. Like there are just so many differences nutritionally. So yes, you have this very energetically expensive thing that's happening, but there's also so many other variables at play. And then when you get into, like you mentioned, well, how much milk are you producing? How much is the baby actually drinking? If you're, you can't lump all nursing together when um, you have a, a three-month-old who's nursing 10 times a day and you've yeah. got a one-year-old who's nursing like once a day, mostly for comfort. You don't know, especially if you're going straight from boob to mouth, 
you're not measuring how much your body is producing. So there's just so many unknowns. Um, so I guess at the, at the end of the day, the takeaway is it might help, it might not. <laughs> it certainly shouldn't be the reason that you do it. It shouldn't be a reason that you feel badly for not. Um, like, like you mentioned, we don't need to get into, we're, we're certainly not going to debate, but a fed baby is a fed baby. So whatever. And, and bottom line, your baby, bottom line. Um, and the nursing, maybe it helps. Maybe you're somebody who feels like my body hung on to an extra five, 10, 15 pounds. And then I weaned and then it was gone. Um, but just kind of knowing that the hormonal fluctuations are going to be happening for like three to six months, even after you wean. And that I know is super frustrating. Like it feels like an eternity ago, the milk is dried up, your boobs are different now, and you're still kind of, your body is going through the effects. So I think it's just another reminder that you've got to be patient and play that long game because you can't, you can't control your hormones. No, you definitely can't. And I, you know, I was going to, I'm so happy that you kind of, you know, there are a couple of studies where, yeah, there's, you know, sure. It's, it's like you said, it's negligible, but but in my mind, and I haven't done a whole lot of research on it, I figured I was going to come to this conversation with you. And I figured I'm like, you know, when we talk about, because we see members who come to us usually six months postpartum, nine months postpartum, and they're still breastfeeding. They're usually in the weaning-ish phase, or it's it's definitely not in the first three months. Like that's not, we're not putting anybody in a caloric deficit who's breastfeeding in the first three months, but literally just the physical amount of milk that you are carrying around with you is going to start to get less and less. (laughs) So yeah, if you're starting to see the scale chip away and like in your weaning process, like not, if you're not in caloric deficit and you're not moving your body more and all, and there's, I'm not saying this in this way, but like, if you're just breastfeeding and that's, what's making you lose weight, your fat's not disappearing. Your boobs are just not producing as much milk, which means the scale is going to drop. So I was, I was trying to get even like more basic, but I love, I love that we went into all that. And then you talked about in the last minute, you brought up the caloric deficit and I want to talk about caloric intake and caloric deficit during childbearing and postpartum. And I know there's, there's some, very like well, let's say structured or like you know everyone's like 300 calories more you know and of course a lot there's a lot of factors i, I feel like i'm getting to really murky water here uh, let's talk about let's talk about caloric intake during while you're carrying the baby and let's talk about what that should look like yeah so i feel like we'd probably preface this with neither of us are doctors so if you're pregnant no you should I, yeah, doctor about this don't this is um, just this is just for information. Yes. I yeah. am also, I've never had a child. Esther is, is a mother. She has birthed a child. So there we go. But generally speaking, I think it's a good, I think it's an important thing to talk about because I think sometimes, and again, this is not a blanket statement, but I think sometimes it's very easy to use pregnancy as an excuse to eat way more than is necessary where you like get the positive test and you're like, oh. I want, I have a craving for ice cream. I want this. I want that. And that's fine. If that's, if that's how you want to go about it, you know, no, um, no shame in that game, but realistically in the beginning, you don't need to eat that much differently. We're talking now a, a snack, um, a difference of a snack. And even kind of towards the end, you're probably looking at like maybe an extra 500 calories or so. Um, so, and that's, as anybody knows who's kind of tracked their intake, it's pretty easy to oh, yeah. eat 
<laughs> to eat that amount and not realize that it's that it's so much. Um, so I think, and of course, your body's gonna you're gonna gain the weight that you need to to have a safe pregnancy, and that's fine. Um, but to just remind yourself, it does, I don't. It doesn't need to be a free for all while I'm pregnant. I can pay attention to my hunger and fullness. It's a great time to lean into how am I feeling? Am I feeling lightheaded? Am I feeling nauseous? What would make me feel better? Um, but that it's really not till you get pretty close to the end that you're needing a, a relatively good sized increase in your intake. Yeah. And I think, you know, there, like you said, there's no shame in that game. There really isn't. Cause I watched, I watched Brit, her, she, her, her food aversions for the first trimester, literally, if it wasn't Italian food, she just didn't want it. Like li- everything made her gag. So we ordered more pizza, more bread, more. I mean, she went through saltine crackers like they were going out of style. The zombie apocalypse came and all we had was saltine crackers and we had no more because my wife, literally the only thing she wanted was saltine crackers. But you're right. In a, I think if you can, again, if this is your first pregnancy and you're listening to this, there's going to be some things that are going to be a little different. I've heard um, from other, from women that we talked to and members that we talked to the second pregnancy, your mindset can be a little different. Um, but in your first, you know, in that the first early stages, if we focus on indulge when you want to like, Oh, like I'm feeling like a little bit here. I'm feeling like a little bit there. If you're the person who's very concerned about postpartum weight loss, again, consult with your doctor, but yeah, the first couple months, like remember the baby is, we, it's very small, like a grain <laughs> of rice. teeny, yeah, a grain of rice, teeny tiny. Uh, we called K. Uh, I think we called her dot. I think we called her dot because literally when we get ultrasounds, I'm like, the doctor's like, yeah, the baby's right there. I'm like, uh, <laughs> are you sure? Cause it, I see moving dots and by moving, I mean, I think the screen's flickering. So for reference, like that's what, that's what you're eating that much extra for. But at the same time, like, yeah, if you've got food aversions or things like that, you got to lean into it. Um, but then let's talk about, let's shift over to postpartum because I feel like when we get members, usually around, we, we start to hear from, from mothers, us personally, uh, around four months. And I'm always hesitant, especially if they're breastfeeding especially if they're breastfeeding, that's a whole nother conversation. But when are you, would you be comfortable starting to someone who's breastfeeding to very gently put them back into a, a caloric deficit in the caloric deficit when you're breastfeeding versus not, things are really different here. So Esther, do your thing. Yeah. So you can tell, like we, we know how, what a sensitive conversation this is, which is Absolutely. why we're giving so many like disclaimers and this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I totally understand getting, you know, around that point four-ish months where you're just like, okay, I'm feeling relatively normal. I've kind of adjusted to a life with a baby. I want to, it's been a long time since I've really felt like I'm doing anything for myself. We've been now basically a year plus of being someone else's house and sustenance and to just want to feel like yourself again. Mm-hmm. So I think what I always recommend, and, we, and we've worked with some very newly postpartum clients, and we take more of a habits-based approach. And we start first with kind of looking big picture at how, you know, how are you and the baby sleeping? How are your stress levels? What has your nutrition looked like so far? 
And we focus first on, we call them four box meals, but putting together balanced meals with a lean protein, a veggie, a minimally processed carb and a healthy fat. And just kind of starting there and first getting to a place where you can say, okay, yes, the majority of my meals, check those four boxes. I am focusing on nutrient dense foods and really kind of getting back to basics. From there, uh, the hydration is also a really important one for um, for supply. So kind of starting there and just getting back into the groove, because like you said, between food aversions during pregnancy and then just kind of, you know, not being able to really eat comfortably towards the end of pregnancy mm-hmm. and then the, the mayhem of having the baby and just being like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know if it's AM or PM. We yep. will feed what people, we will eat what people give us um, to first just kind of like stabilize and get back to that nutrient density, focusing on those foods that are going to help um, you know, just support health. Then considering, do you feel like you have the bandwidth to even do just like a week of tracking and seeing with my current intake, where even am I? And kind of playing with the numbers and seeing, okay, with with the amount of nursing that I'm doing, if any, um, does this seem like a sufficient amount? Do we need to bump it up? Um, and this applies to to anyone. I know you guys take the same approach, but even more so being really gradual with any drops. We all agree. The goal is to be losing while eating as much as possible. Um, and that's that's even that much more important when um, when supply is in the picture. So starting off with kind of a, a high estimate, monitoring very closely, how is your supply? How is your hydration? How are you feeling overall? And then just making kind of those small decreases um, and just kind of being the, the constant reminder that we are in this for the long haul. We are going to continue seeing progress. Even if you did nothing that first year, your body's going to continue to change. So just being able to kind of nudge it in the right direction a little bit can go a really long way. And we were talking about the four box meals. My first thought was I'm like the four box meal. If you can even get to a place where you're sitting down and having a meal, that's like a, I feel like that is a huge a huge win. Once you can get to a place where you can even have a thought process about like, what am I eat? Like, what am I going to eat? And you're right. Going back to basics postpartum. I feel like we're coming full circle here, getting back to basics with your food, getting back to basics with checking in with yourself. Like, are you even ready to, I know you want to, I know you're, you're, you're ready to get your, you're ready, not even get your body back. You're ready to feel like you again, you're ready to take ownership of yourself. Again, you want to feel like you have some control over your day, because let's be honest, and especially in the first six months to a year, baby runs your life, runs your life. Um, and if we go back, say, go back to the beginning of the conversation, even when it comes to movement patterns, we're focusing on pelvic floor strengthening, we're focusing on core strengthening, and not even core strengthening where you're going to plank or where you're going to do anything like that, literally on breathing. When it comes to your meals, are you having balanced food throughout the day at any point can you get one balanced nutrient dense not calorically dense nutrient dense meal can you even do that postpartum life and i feel like this segues right into the next thing that i want to talk about the last thing the the misconception and i think it has to do with a lack of information i think it has a lot to do with a lack of honesty about what that really looks like because all we see postpartum is are you glowing? Do you love baby? No, I'm fucking miserable. I'm really fucking tired. I haven't worked out in six months. I don't feel like myself. Everything hurts. My husband isn't helping enough. I mean, I can go through. Yeah, no, nobody talks about that. 
in and the mindset around postpartum is really what I want to get into this last portion of the episode because I want from my personal experience of watching my life go my my wife go through what she did postpartum, which was not easy. It wasn't the worst. There's definitely people that have a worse, but it wasn't easy. And I think the mindset, which is what what kind of ruins, not ruins, but like paints this picture that we we even as a family, I'll say as the family strives for husbands, we're fucking guilty of not being supported enough in terms of, yeah, in terms of understanding like our wives or our spouses or our partners just went through these incredible change over the last nine plus months. And now they're going to take the next probably year to even get back to a baseline. And I don't know. I'm going to let you take over because the last time we started talking about mindset and, and you had you had some great one-liners when it came to your thoughts about postpartum life. Well, I just wanted to add, obviously, I wouldn't be the guest for this, but I think that the dad's perspective on like <laughs> the, the transition to becoming a dad, I think would make a really good topic because I know when when my son was born and we might have talked, I'm sure we talked about this last time, but our kids have the same birthday, which I think is so cool. Um, I remember- A couple, couple years apart. A couple years apart, yeah. Um, I remember when Mattis was born, I don't know how, I don't remember how it came up, but Gray kind of looking up like what happens with men's hormones when they have a baby and like your testosterone drops, like your bodies are reacting to this as well. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so interesting that, you know, of course you haven't carried the baby, you didn't deliver it. You're, you know, kind of just standing by helplessly throughout the whole thing. Um, But it's not like your life doesn't change. And there's probably a lot of emotion that goes along with sort of feeling helpless. Like, you know, my wife is so upset about how she looks and like, I don't know what to say. And I also don't really have time to eat well or to exercise, but I feel like I can't really talk about it because look what she just went through. Right. I think that would make an interesting um, conversation with, with another dad. Um, I, think we're but, about, I think we're about to flip the script and we're about to book another episode where I let you interview me on that one because I was like, oh, that would be, that'd be great. As long as you we were that. cool coming on here. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Cool. Okay. So postpartum mindset. Um, the first thing, and I, again, I know how much easier said than done this is, but really keeping the big picture in mind and to use another cliche, it really is true that it takes you nine, 10 months to grow this baby. It's going to take you at least as long to kind of come back, back to from base. That. Yeah. Get back to baseline. Exactly. And I know that's hard in the day to day, but really, you know, reminding yourself and something that I do independent of uh, postpartum, but I think is a really good practice is keeping a gratitude journal. Every night before bed, I write down, I use a complete sentence. I am grateful for one. I'm grateful for two. I'm grateful. And just getting yourself into the practice of thinking about the things you're grateful for can just kind of help shift that perspective because it's so easy to dwell on the negative and be looking in the mirror and thinking, whose body is this? Where do these stretch marks come from? Like, of course I love this baby, but like, who, you know, what is happening here? And to just kind of go to bed with the, the positive on your mind that I have so much to be grateful for, including this body that allowed me to birth a human that is you know, potentially allowing me to sustain a human that is getting me through the day to day. I think that can help. Another thing that I know I mentioned on the last episode, but I think is worth re-mentioning and shout out to Gray for, for this one, was the idea that everything you do 
after the baby is a postpartum PR. And just like how much that helped me. It was really in those of you who haven't listened to our first episode, who was saying it, it came about, I was in the garage, pretty newly postpartum and just crying. I had been active throughout my whole pregnancy and obviously took a decent amount of time off after he was born and was getting back to it and just like felt so weak and so defeated. And he came out and, and that was what he said. And it was like such a moment where I was like, well, in that case, this went great. Look at that. So just those, those reframes can help a ton in, um, in, in how you feel and kind of how you approach the process. And then I think kind of the underlying theme and what we've been talking about all throughout this episode is to take it one step at a time. We talked about kind of nutrition, about building your balanced meals and getting back to basics there. And the same thing goes for your exercise, starting off with that pelvic floor and and breathing work, getting into gentle walks and not pushing yourself too hard. I think most of us are probably guilty of that. We're just like, oh, I feel okay to walk. And you get home and you're just like gushing. There's, there's this like giant wound in my body. Maybe I should, you know, chill out a bit. Um, But, you know, starting there and then adding in some body weight movement and then adding in a little bit of weight. And then if your pelvic floor is ready for it, adding in the, the higher impact, the higher intensity. Um, I always, I always cringe a little bit when I see posts of women saying, you know, I had a baby, you know, four days ago, when can I get back on the bike? How long did it take you? And I'm like, you want to do what? Like you you want to go where? (laughs) Yeah. Literally my, my thought, I'm like, you want to sit on a saddle? What? I don't care if you had a C-section, you want to sit on a saddle? Yeah. That is the last thing I want to do. Um, and I think another thing that kind of I had I had two two notes. Um, one is to start looking for patterns that are, or maybe like new habits that you have created in the postpartum madness that may not be serving you. That will be important to address outside of intentional weight loss. Um, one example of that, I think most people listening will be able to relate to is eating whatever you can get your hands on after the kid goes to bed. And I found myself in that pattern, probably his first like year ish was when we moved to DC. So he was like roughly a year, maybe a year and a half where we would like finally get him to go to sleep. And it was the first time in the day that I had a chance to breathe and like do something for myself. So naturally would find myself in the pantry every night, just eating whatever because it tasted good. So and, it, and it, it's comfort. It's the first, it's the first thing you can feel to get comfort. It's instant comfort. That's what you're really searching for. Exactly. And yeah. becoming aware of those things. Oh, you know what? I'm doing this every night. This is not a habit that I want to be in. What is it that I'm actually trying to satisfy here? Like you said, it's comfort. Okay. How else can I get that? What would be a a more productive or a, or a healthier in the long run um, way to get that? What else would help me relax? What else would help me feel like I'm getting some time to breathe? Um, another example would be if you're nursing and you have like a, a very little one who's up a lot in the middle of the night and you've gotten yourself in the habit of having a snack whenever they have a snack <laughs> and kind of remind yourself, okay, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be eating at 1am and 3am and 5am. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something that I want to start kind of weeding myself from. And just sort of taking the approach of 
let me get the bird's eye view of how my lifestyle has changed. Obviously, a lot of ways for the better, but how it's also changed, you know, negatively and take control of those things. It's likely going to help with getting back to a body you feel comfortable in, but it's also just going to help you feel more in control and, um, and healthier in general. And then the final thing I wanted to say was that I think a lot of the advice that we get pre and postpartum is like almost so backwards where when you get pregnant, you're the, this like old school advice of, you know, don't elevate your heart rate too high. Don't lift anything over 20 pounds. Um, just like how outdated that is and unrealistic that you have women who are lifting hundreds of pounds and who are used to intense exercise or have other children who weigh more than 20 pounds. So you right. have this like very sort of like tiptoey, like, oh, don't do anything too much when you're pregnant. And then you get rid of, you know, you get rid of the baby. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you give birth to the baby. And then, then the advice is almost like, oh, it's six weeks later. Like, yeah, have at it. Good luck. And there's like, it, it, like, what? That, <laughs> it should be the other way around. We should right. be a little bit more um, comfortable sustaining our normal level of activity during pregnancy mm-hmm. and then a, a lot more cautious afterward with, all right, just because my OB took 30 seconds looking down there and was like, everything good. You good to go. That's not really the green light you should be looking for. So really kind of err on the side of caution. And even though you might want to get back to it, even though you have technically been given the go ahead to get back to it, really ask yourself, Am I actually ready? Ideally, go to a public floor PT, get their their kind of blessing as well. And even so, ease back into it. Remember that the entire rest of your life is postpartum. So the efforts that you make newly postpartum can really kind of make, make or break your, you know, everything subsequent to that. Definitely. And that was so perfectly said. Everything after baby's born is postpartum for the rest of your life. That was so perfectly put because I think, again, trying to come back to, I want my old body back. It's never going to be your old body. Your body is now postpartum. Your body has done something incredible. You've given birth. You can't get back that old body. It's literally impossible. Can you feel like you have, can you work towards that strength again? Absolutely. And I think what Esther and I are really trying to get at from this conversation and talking about the things that nobody else talks about is when you're postpartum, can't, you've got to really focus on first, first baby. Can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Second, be in touch with yourself. Like, what do you, what are you feeling? Is this the best decision for you? Is it the time? I know you want to get back to lifting. I know you want to get back on the Peloton. I know you want to get back to that body, but is this, do you have the bandwidth to handle that? Getting back to the basics, starting really remedial, going back to what Gray said. And you guys don't know, if you guys don't know, Esther's husband name is Gray. Um, everything post postpartum, once you get back into it is a PR, having a meal, having a balanced meal, the first time you get to do that, guess what? That's a PR because I can promise you, you haven't had that. Definitely not in the first 12 weeks. If you had, you probably have a mother or mother-in-law that is significantly more active than, you know, than any, than anyone that I know. Okay. And you're willing to have a veggie and a protein and a starch and a healthy fat, as opposed to the takeout delivery pizza. And then of course, 
being realistic with your expectations. It took you nine months to bring this human, this beautiful life into this world. It's going to take you at least that long to get back to baseline. And if we can wrap around, you know, if we can help hopefully, you know, new or postpartum mothers or newly pregnant mothers realize that like, yeah, this is going to take time. This is not a marathon that allow yourself some time to, to enjoy being mom and allow, allow yourself some time to enjoy your baby. And don't worry, you can get back to it. There's programs out there. Esther has one. I have one. Mike Dola, Jason Falcon. There's a bunch of professionals out there that can help you. We can get you back to your, your quote unquote, your, your better pre-baby body is what I'll call it, but it's going to take time. And with that, Esther, for the moms that are newly postpartum, what's one piece of advice you can give someone who's looking to get started on a weight loss journey but is newly postpartum. So I think it's really just reiterating a lot of what we've talked about, but to pare it down, it would be start small and take pride in those baby steps. Like you just said, just, just having a balanced meal, just cooking for the first time or doing some form of meal prep for the first time. All of those are great steps towards where you want to be. And give yourself credit for them. I think most of us are guilty of not giving ourselves credit and instead focusing on, I should be doing more or so-and-so had a baby at the same time and she's, and just put your blinders on, focus on that baby, focus on yourself. Um, I think, I know it's, um, a lot of it is out of your control, but sleep when you can. So much of, you know, Hopefully we all are on the same page that stress makes losing weight a lot harder. And you know 100%. what's super stressful? Not sleeping. Yep. So to just really give yourself some grace and trust that this is all new. I am going to figure it out. And think about, I think when, when you have a baby, you never, I don't know, maybe, maybe you do a little bit, but you don't really doubt that you're going to figure out how to be a great parent. You might have uncertainty, but you're like, well, I love this little thing and it needs me <laughs> and I'm going to do the best that I can and we're going to figure it out together. There's no, there's no doubt in your mind that, that you will get there. So channel that same belief and that same commitment to your personal you know, body and, and your personal goals. Of course, you're going to get there. Of course, you can look and feel even better than you did before a baby, but you have to give it time. If you brought life into this world, you are strong enough to get back to your, to, to your, whatever you want, because what you just did for nine months is a lot harder than you getting back to where you are. Let's slowly start to wrap this up really quickly for the mothers that are listening to this. Now, if you are newly postpartum, uh, if you're, you know, a year out postpartum or wherever you are, um, if nobody's told you today, you guys have done something absolutely incredible that us men cannot do. Uh, that's something that you should cherish. That's something you should celebrate every stretch mark. That is a trophy. Um, every little, every little difference, you know, appreciate it. You guys have done something absolutely incredible. Um, and like I said, if nobody's told you today, you're absolutely, you're, you're a superhuman. You just, you're just a superhuman. So Esther, let's plug it all in. Where can we all find you on social media? So probably easiest is Instagram, esther.avant. Um, Esther has an H, the proper spelling. And I also have a podcast called the Live Diet Free Podcast. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of the MBS podcast. The next episode, I'm going to have 
Uh, Esther, come on, and we're going to do a little interview, I guess, from the dad's perspective. This was not planned, and she has not agreed to this, but by the time you guys listen, she will have agreed. I'm in. Uh, to, tune in uh, in two weeks. Uh, the episode will be out. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe, and we'll see you then. Hey, everybody, and thank you for listening to another podcast. For more things MBS, you can always find us on Facebook by searching my name, Bradley Goldman, or you can go to facebook.com backslash NBS by BSSF. You can find us on Instagram at NBS by BSSF. And of course, remember, always do something over nothing and focus on progress over perfection. And we'll talk to you guys next time.